Welcome back, everybody, to the Punk Rock Hover Podcast. I am the Undead Matt. And I'm Krampus Cody. And today we're here to remind you to, again, invest in your local eateries. You know, wherever you're stationed and in, in, in whatever state, go to a local restaurant, go to a local store, you know, buy something from them, you know, help improve the economy. We're, we're always coming in with the good tips. That's what we try to do. Uh, today is also brought to you by SlashingCast.net. That is our current home. Again, check out SlashingCast.net. Uh, bringing it back to it, though. Yeah, today's a really exciting day. We have another guest with us. We're talking about some horror. We're doing some horror games. And it's a brand new Tuesday episode. Everybody, please. Welcome back. One of our favorite people, one of the coolest people that we've ever had on the show. We can't believe that he'll even still associate with us with how weird we can be, but we are glad. <laughs> we, and we we thank whoever's watching over us that he'll even grace his presence with us. <laughs> Especially with my animosity towards ducks. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's now regretting the decision of coming on. Uh, everybody, everybody, please welcome the amazing Denny Jackard from 10 Foot Pole. Well, thanks, for, thanks for having me back. I really appreciate the invitation. It was yeah, getting pretty lonely out here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, how's it? How's everything been for you on your side of the world? I know it's been a minute since you've been on the show. Well, I'm in uh, I'm in Boise, Idaho, and uh, the winter was uh, pretty typical. A little bit of chilliness and snow and whatnot. And uh, I got the kids back in school, so that part's seeming a little more normal. Although they only go two to three days a week, so they're still home quite a bit. And uh, I've been, got, gotten a lot of time to practice being a, the housekeeping dad because I'm a sound engineer and there haven't been any concerts or live events for me to do sound for. It's been a little slow on my department. And uh, thankfully, my wife has taken up working full time at uh, Amazon, moving boxes around and stuffing boxes and all that sort of stuff. And so I've been trying to like keep her happy by keeping the house clean and working in the garden and uh, nice. getting the boys uh, disciplined so they get their schoolwork done and most of the time and stuff like that and uh, trying to make records and write songs while I'm home and of course guy. looking for work I should mention that very <laughs> desperately looking for full-time employment which is required by the state of Idaho if you're collecting unemployment uh, uh, benefits <laughs> no, obviously. that sounds obvious. First of all, I want to congratulate you for being super dad. I mean, mm -hmm. it sounds like you're covering all bases of the of the home load. So more props to you on that. I mean, it's true what they said. Uh, punk isn't dead; it's dad. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. It's it's been challenging. I won't I won't lie. Like it's been hard, especially with uh, just uh, you know all like staying home so much and having mm -hmm. money be tight and you know, going into debt and whatnot. But uh. You know, some parts of it have been good, like being able to spend time with the family. And so, yeah, it's exciting. I'm, and I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back to playing shows and whatever comes next. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and hopefully they speed along here. Everybody gets vaccinated and we were just we, we move back to a normal type of whatever normal is at this point. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm hoping that happens yeah. faster and, and i'm so sorry that's also that you're going through that denny i really am i mean i i, I mean cody definitely feel for you on that end so we're, we're really oh, sorry you're having you. to go through that yeah yeah it's just tr tricky like not having your you know i'm used to being out and feeling like valued as an employee and working hard to provide for the family and stuff and it's been a little humbling and you know and just just dealing with like everybody uh, you know i'm sure you know, uh, people as well that just everybody has their emotional issues or anxieties or other mm -hmm. things that are, have been exacerbated by the isolation and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So, and, and we're, we're, we've had to deal with that too, but uh, luckily uh, everybody so far is hanging together and we're looking forward to getting back. And 
I have plans, of course. I'd love to tell you about my plans and what's going to happen next. Some things are Absolutely. still up in the air. Yeah, for sure. Leslie, so with <laughs> so with the pandemic coming down, I mean, it sounds like you've had to restructure a lot of things and, and refocus a lot of things. So, what are these plans, though, that you're working on? Well, the I'm not totally sure on the the existing plan was we were supposed to play some festivals in Europe. And I'm supposed to find out any day now whether those are officially canceled because I don't know whether Europe's going to be open in, you know, July time frame. And uh, so, so we're kind of in limbo waiting to see about that. But uh, the original plan would have been to do like whole tours around the festivals too because by the time I get the band together and get them out to Europe, there, so much expenses have gone that, you know, we can't really justify doing all that for, for two or three shows because I have I have two guys in Quebec and one guy in Portland, and I'm in Boise, Idaho. So just to get everyone together to do a bunch of rehearsals to be ready to play in front of people is incredibly expensive. But anyway, so we're waiting to hear about that. So that's still up in the air. Meanwhile, at home, I'm working on, on a new record, uh, a full rock 10-foot pole record, where I think I've got maybe 17 or 18 like complete songs. And then I'm going to narrow it down to like 12 or 13 and make a rock record. And, I, and I've been playing them acoustic as well. So I think I will follow that up with an acoustic record. But it's been hard to kind of push forward. We made the other acoustic record, Simmer Down, and I was really stoked with it. But that kind of level of intensity that it takes to get that done is hard to kind of follow right up with. And as I mentioned, as things got more tricky to deal with with the family and everything with the pandemic, it got harder for me to spend 12 hours a day focusing on doing sound, you know, by myself. But what I want to do, I, I don't know if I mentioned this before, stop me if I told this, told you this story before, but <laughs> the goal is to eventually get out and do acoustic touring. Like, like I, oh, I want to be able to tour cool. with the band. Yeah. I, I'm trying to tour with the band, and, and that's still the goal, like one of the goals. But the other goal is um, to just go out and do small acoustic shows with super low overhead like in people's backyards, essentially, like real DIY, um, like like you basically, you know, promised me a guarantee, and I show up at your house with a little sound system and some lights, and I just put on a show for you and your friends, or like whether you charge for tickets or whether you're just like the the host with the most that invites all your friends and family to to hang out and party. That's going to be kind of up to you, but the idea being that. Um, I kind of tell stories and sing songs <laughs> and that's kind of, that's what I would like to do. This is my dream as like kind of my semi retirement plan. Like when I'm mm -hmm. too old to be a sound engineer or whatever, to just be able to tell stories and be kind of like, I imagine it as like Henry Rollins meets Johnny cash, like telling okay. stories. May, maybe my stories won't have as good a points as Henry's do. do. <laughs> But um, <laughs> just kind of shooting the breeze and, and like before and after I'm on stage, because because if like say I'm at your house and there's only 20 people there, you know, it's it's pretty intimate and you can ask questions and I can talk and, and it's not loud like a club. So like even before and after the performance, we could just talk without having to yell over the sound. I mean, I think because of the overhead would be lower that that even just, you know, if if basically if the, if in essence, 20 people paid to see a show that would, or maybe 30, you know, somewhere in there, that would be enough to kind of cover my expenses and make a few bucks to be able to support my family. So that, that's, mm -hmm. that's my current goal. Cause I love playing acoustic guitar and I love, I love singing the songs and I love doing the rock thing too, but, uh, 
right now I'm even preferring the acoustic one and, and, uh, the idea of being able to do it alone and actually be sustainable and not like losing money on tour and stuff is kind of exciting. So that's where I'm at is right any, now. Cool. Has anybody ever that told you, cool. <laughs> has anybody ever told you your, uh, your stories are great for filling up a room? Has anybody ever told you that? Is because you're filling re- up a room. Yeah. You're really good at just like talking and just like bringing the attention to yourself without having to demand it. Like you're, you have a very <laughs> natural way of speaking. I mean this in the highest regard, like oh, not a lot you. of people have this where they can just start talking and then, you know, get attention and then people just start investing in what you're talking about. You know, usually a lot of people have to grab someone's attention with a key word or something like that. But you, Danny, you just have like a natural way about you. A, you have a soothing voice. I was like, man, I could <laughs> listen to you all day. Oh, nice. Yeah. This is nice. That's funny. I agree. Right to sleep. <laughs> no, 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 it's like, no, not, not, not like that. I was like, it like, caught it's... my attention. I was like, yeah, that's right. Oh, cool. Well, I, I like, hope so. I mean, I, hurt, right? like, yeah. I could totally, like, if you were to, like, do an audiobook, I would totally, like, buy that. So <laughs> I could hear you like, talk and, like, listen, you do a book, like, on a driver's side. I was like, yeah, you just got, you got a really nice voice, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I was like, I, I'm trying to be, like, a punk rock singer who can, like, scream and, like, you know, uh, <laughs> make people jump off the stage and stuff. And you're like, yeah, it's just such a smooth, relaxing voice. I can fall asleep <laughs> yeah. to it. Just, just gently. Like, you should, you should do, like, you know, nursery rhyme audio books. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to do a little more, you, if and you're going like, to go like, kill your mother, kill your father. This is punk rock. <laughs> you can do the best of both worlds, man. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate it. I, I hope people enjoy it. And and um, I mean, I I love telling stories, and I've had a really rich life. And uh, I I just I I was just thinking last night. I, I did a really goofy Facebook post where I was doing a bunch of name dropping. It was one of the. It was like this contest with name people that you met or or have stood right next to. And then, you know, one of them is a lie. And part of me was like, wow, this is just going to be horribly like name dropping silliness. But then part of me was like, well, but but if people know that I was around these people, they might be more interested in hearing my stories. And so I had people like, you know, Prince and Michael Jackson and Weird Al Yankovic and Selena Gomez and like Penelope Cruz and Salma Hayek and uh, Gwen Stefani. And like these are most of these people are people that I, I don't know well or anything but I was right next to him in different situations. And, and so I could tell little stories about it. And, uh, you know, I didn't get too much into it on Facebook because I don't want also to people to think I'm a horrible gossip, at least not yeah. in like public domains like that. But on the other hand, if I'm in your backyard and you paid me to show up, I'll tell you the dirt on what was Bruce Willis doing <laughs> right in front of me and why did I hit him in the back of the head with the mixing console? You know, like, <laughs> these, are, these are absolutely true stories. You cannot drop that on this, that on this show and not dive into that. I hope you understand, realize that. I hope you realize you cannot. Oh, you want to hear the rest of that story? Of course. Well, all you <laughs> have to do is where they can bring say me I to your backyard. <laughs> okay, like- I'll... I was gonna say we're like two diehard like Kevin Smith fans, and just hearing him say how much of a POS like Bruce Willis is on set, I'm like, yeah, I want to hear some more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll I'll just briefly tell this one just as like a little thing to uh, to try to lure people into, you know, r- reminder that I'm a, a lot more candid at the uh, at the backyard shows where we're not recording. But uh, okay. so I was Prince's sound engineer, and what that meant was that any show that Prince did. Not even just shows. Like one time he had a date. I won't even say with who, but um, I was driving to San Diego to do sound for some other thing. And I got this call like, you know, can you meet Prince at House of Blues in, well, 
one hour he has a date and and uh <laughs> or yeah he didn't they didn't say he has a date he he has a guest and he wants to make sure the dj sounds good like with prince you usually figure it's a big party right but no in this case he he literally was was uh had a guest and and was setting up a dj and a full rig at the house of blues in a small room and so i turned around from san diego drove up and set the PA up and made sure that the DJ sounded great. And on my way out of the room, Prince high-fived me. As I, as I was walking out, he was walking in with his you know, celebrity date. And, uh, and he high-fived me. And I got back in my car and drove to San Diego. And I charged him my full day rate for about an hour worth of work of you know, making sure a DJ sounded good. So that, but for him, like, what's my, my hourly rate is like you know, nothing com- compared to yeah. if, he, if he brought his fancy date there and the sound wasn't good. You know, like he wants everything to be good. Like even just little things like, like he wants it to smell good. So, you know, like I would go, I would go places where he was going to perform and I might be the only one there. Like say he was going to play acoustic guitar somewhere. I was a sound engineer, but I also knew that he wanted incense burning in the backstage room and that the certain kind of mouthwash we'd have and just everything, the the guitar tuner and and I tune the guitars. You know, I was a guitar tech too. Like I'm not a qualified guitar tech, but I know my way around a, a guitar, and and uh, you know I've tuned his guitar before he stepped on uh, the the B, uh, BET like award shows and stuff, like playing with Shaka Khan and stuff, like <laughs> like a tune tune to Floyd Rose uh, guitar, which is pretty scary, and like you know That's there's awesome. <laughs> there's been guys who if you tune the guitar wrong, like you're fired, and 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 so uh, but anyway, so my point being that I did everything that they did, and he used to like to have parties after the Oscars or after the Emmys, like like the big award shows, and so um, we were we basically created a party environment. He did a last minute party at a hotel um, in Hollywood, and basically just got this. I don't even know what they call the rooms, but it was in it was on a floor with hotel rooms but the this one area was like kind of carved out and open and that became this party room and we had a pa in it and and um and he his band was playing like he was going to play and um and the mixing board was on wheels and and there was just this guy with a bald head in front of me and he kept <laughs> leaning back and hitting the mixing board and the mixing board was rolling backwards and oh, and no. so I was like pushing back and like pushing back and he kept pushing back and finally I'm just like and I like kind of pushed it kind of hard and hit him in the head and he like kind of he kind of stood up and he turned around and I just <laughs> looked at him and I was like oh I'm sorry Mr. Willis <laughs> was that you pushing against the soundboard <laughs> and uh, he was sitting next to Drew Barrymore and and uh, and uh, so she was also of course looking and. Well, that's all I'll tell of the story for right now. But I, I will yeah. say that even that day in that room was also like Nicole Kidman and um, Salma Hayek and a bunch of other, you know, A-list characters. And I asked <laughs> Nicole Kidman to stop smoking for a while and I opened a window. <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, it's, put that out. Yeah. I, I don't care that you're in movies. Put that out. <laughs> well, I, 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 I didn't say put it out. I just said, well, no, if you'd I like to stay it's... and watch Prince perform... We, we need to have like kind of no smoke in the air, you know, but you're welcome to leave if you want, like, you know, cause that's <laughs> Prince's thing. Like you want to stay and party with Prince. You got to, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, like, I'd be, I'd be like, yeah, of course <laughs> I would like to hang out with Prince. <laughs> like that's so cool. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's, 
that there are good times. But, but so I've lived a, a kind of a interesting life with being able to go like I've done sound for um, the president for Barack Obama. I've done sound for Arnold Schwarzenegger and and um, and it, so between concerts and big events and stuff, I've met a lot of interesting people. Not that I necessarily have great stories, but enough to where if I was singing a song and, and I thought, oh, that brings up this, you know, idea that or this memory that I might be able to keep you entertained for a couple of minutes. And, and um, I thought the idea of, of, especially with an acoustic tour, doing something that's that close and personal, intimate, like 25 people in a backyard, like it, it would be something that people would probably be willing to, to pay to do. And, and unlike most of the 10 foot pole shows where we're, we take most of the money people pay and hand it over to a club. And, and then in the club, they usually have bad sound, bad lights, a stinky place, a dirty bathroom, and, you know, and trying to talk over the loud opening bands and stuff. So I thought if I do kind of control the whole environment, um, it could be something where it's just a pleasant experience. We're just like hanging out in somebody's house and I got some t-shirts for sale and we tell stories and I sing some songs and you can ask questions if you want. And, um, and hopefully that's kind of a special, unique experience that, that, uh, I think that's cool. Oh, that's awesome. I like, I actually really like that idea with the whole like acoustic concert, but like, Breaking it up with like stories and whatnot from like your past and everything, like hell yeah, I'd attend that. That's fucking awesome. Like that's a great. Yeah, idea. I mean, well, and, and and like even Corey Taylor has has done it, and I think a lot more musicians uh, should be doing that, especially like in your realm as well, Denny. I mean, already like just even twenty minutes into this episode, you've you've barely shared like you know, the surface of stories you could tell and you already have our attention. I mean, uh, I don't know anyone who's told Nicole Kidman they can't, that she can't smoke if she wants to watch Prince, you know? So, I, I mean, that's... And that's leaned something. over her to open the window right behind her so the fresh air would blow. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, hey, but, but, <laughs> well, I think that sometimes when people think of like here backyard show, if they haven't, you know, come up in the underground scene or really haven't been part of it, that sound there's this like stigma of like of like a cheapness to it or maybe or maybe that's not the right word. But point being is that, you know, punk itself, a lot of times, you know, especially in California, did start out with backyard shows. That's where it was. That's how, you know, a lot of these underground bands got started. Even the casualties, a little bit of a hardcore, more of a hardcore punk band. Um also got their name, you know, getting, you know, doing backyard shows. And I think oh, that's yeah. so cool Anywise, to bring it back to that. Pennywise got huge basically mm-hmm. just playing parties. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's how Pennywise got big. Um so before we were called uh Ten Foot Pole, we were called Scared Straight. And we we started out as parties too in the in the eighties. They were hardcore backyard and garage and inside just, you know, we were 13, 14 year old kids and, and um that that's just what people did was we had a party and we we wanted to show off our our sweet <laughs> lacking guitar skills and <laughs> yeah. that's just what you did you know like we, we wanted to show off hey yeah, girls it, rec- hey check us out <laughs> we make songs like, for for a lot of people it's where they get their first punk experience where they get their first beer i mean a lot of people don't realize you know when you when you do play anywhere, not to take anything away from any local venues of course you know still go support your local venues absolutely but uh, you know also when you're playing a backyard show you know you're not always con- you know constricted to a time limit all the time depending on which one you go i mean there is a very wild west mentality when it comes to backyard shows and i think that's like the biggest attraction about them 
Yeah, and uh, I mean, acoustic could be inside too. I, I've been saying backyard just because of the pandemic. Like the idea of fresh air and that seems nice. But once the pandemic's mm-hmm. over, um, especially for acoustic guitar stuff, like really I want to play somewhere quiet. I want it to be mm-hmm. super quiet so that if I sing, if I bring the sound down to a whisper, it's just like, you know, you can hear every nuance. And and um, so to me, that's a big part of it. But yeah, I mean, uh, all those backyard shows, I mean, of course, with the punk thing, the clubs are required because you can't really do backyard shows without the police shutting you down for yeah. noise if you have electric guitars. But if you have yeah. acoustic guitars, particularly if you invite the neighbors, you can get away with a lot more. And um, so I, I don't know. It's just one of those things that I've been I've been thinking was great. And I, I did some... Uh, acoustic touring in Quebec and and uh, Ontario, and uh, it went really well. And and it just seems like a kind of fun thing. I mean, of course, with with venues, it's great to have venues that can support bigger crowds. And I wish Ten Foot Pole was bigger, where we could be sustainably go on tours and reliably count on big crowds. But we can't. And and a lot of and because there's not much money in it or any money really. Um, the idea of me just being by myself and, and not having to worry about feeding and sheltering and and helping the the guys in the band you know support their situations it just it makes it a lot less pressure you know if if 25 people pay to see me and we don't have to to pay uh you know a club their their cut it um i think it could be sustainable and just do it and and maybe even just um also short drives another thing i hate about touring is long <laughs> drives like like if you play in denver and you're heading east the next show is like a 20 uh, 20 hour drive away practically um yeah. there's not a whole lot out there in the middle of the midwest and and uh and it's brutal like you play a show and then you just drive and drive and drive and drive maybe all night maybe all the next day and, and um it's boring whereas say if i play it in your neighborhood there might be somebody like literally one street over who has a whole different set of family and friends who, who might hire me and it might be like, uh, I might just stay at a local hotel and then come right back to your neighborhood and play like, you know, a hundred <laughs> yards away from your house, but to a whole different crowd. And, um, the idea of not driving for 12 hours to play at a empty club is pretty cool too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have so much knowledge, Denny. I uh, I feel like we just hand the mic off to you and you run the show by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, you know, um, we're going to find out when we start talking about horror films that I I have a very uh, special set of skills, and it it does not overlap very much with the uh, history of uh, horror or um, or also the history of uh, scary things that happen. <laughs> it's okay. We are we are. I don't want to give away any of the other details yet. But. Fair enough. <laughs> appreciate it, and don't worry, we are here to educate you on the matter as such. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, taught us a little bit about some of the sound engineering, some of the cool stuff you've been through. And so now, now we're gonna do the same. Before we do that, though, we're gonna jump into our horror game. Do you mind playing a horror game with us, Danny? No, but you know, before we wrap up, I should mention before we wrap mm-hmm. up the ten foot pole portion, I yeah, should mention that if anyone, if anyone wants information about ten foot pole, uh, all of the stuff is accessible at tenfootpole.com. T-E-N, and I, I assume you'll put the link on, on the thing, but that, mm-hmm. like, basically, like, I handle Facebook and Instagram and all that kind of stuff, and it's all, um, you know, our music links, our merchandise. We have a, a memorabilia sale that I've been doing, like, to try to raise money to pay for the tour van that I'm hoping to use eventually when shows are allowed again. 
you know, I've been selling like old t-shirts and old vinyl and stuff. And so all that stuff's available at 10footpole.com to see like, uh, we have a Patreon subscription based, uh, club essentially. And, um, T E N 10 footpole.com. And we'll make sure to have those links in the episode notes below and also in the description yeah. on YouTube if you are listening to us there. Um, and yeah, sorry, Denny, totally didn't mean to not like give you that second to give that shout out to you. My apologies. <laughs> oh, um, no worries. No worries. But uh, yeah, again, listeners, please check out 10 Football. We've had them on here before. Check mm-hmm. out uh, the most recent album, their acoustic, A Summer Down. I love. I checked it out. I've, I've loved it. I thought it was really good. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, I'm very proud of Simmer Down and... and um, Especially even if people aren't into punk, like just like acoustic, it's kind of rocking, kind of countryish, kind of punkish. It's basically acoustic guitar driven, poppy songs that you can tell they were written to be kind of punk. But you know, there's there's still um, uh, bass and drums and other instruments on the record. But uh, if you haven't heard it, I would I would recommend to check it out. Even people who don't like distorted guitars and punk songs in general might be pleasantly surprised. Sweet. I agree. I think it. I think it's very good. Also, kind of like taste break <clears throat> in type of music. Excuse me, going the acoustic route. So, and and yes, listeners, again, please check out Ten Football. Please check out the latest album. Give them support. Go check out their Patreon. Help them out. Help Denny out. Um, I mean, we we know you're some of the most amazing listeners in the entire face of this planet. So we we trust you when we tell you to go support them. So please do so. Um, but yeah, I, I guess uh, are we going to move on to a horror game? I'm ready. Yeah. Let's do it. So, uh, so I, I feel free to change this up as needed, Cody. But here's what okay. I'm thinking we do. So, within spirit of what we're talking about today, I won't <laughs> give it away. But I don't know how to t- say it without giving it away. So, I'll just describe it as best I can. Hopefully, it doesn't give it away. Okay. Denny, obviously, so, you know, you got 10-foot pole, you're a sound engineer, you're doing all this great stuff, you're telling Nicole Kidman to take care of her health, I mean, you know, what is the next thing you do? You open no, up I didn't tell hotel. her to take care of her health, I, I told her that if she wants to see Prince, <laughs> yeah. she has to stop hurting his health. Um, I think oh, that's I like taking that care of your health because Prince is good for your health. uh so but your next venture you decide to do and go into denny believe it or not is to open up your own hotel but in order to save costs i mean you can't you know let people stay too long you got to bring in new bodies so what we you got to do something though in order to get rid of those that are currently staying there so denny unfortunately you're a sadistic hotel manager and you got to come up with a method to get people out so you can either go the safe route of uh faking and haunting of your own hotel but you got to describe how you could do it or you become a serial killer that's the there's these only two options you can go which would you rather do? Fake hauntings yes. to get people out of your hotel to bring in new bodies? Or would you go the lighter route of the more messier kind? <laughs> well, I've never been a big fan of red meat. So I would say that I would go the uh, the scary route. Because I, okay. I, I, I mean, well, I mean, I, I'm just assuming if you're a serial killer that you would have to utilize the, all that i mean I, it would be just such a weight a waste for all that meat to <laughs> so but since i don't like red meat i would suggest uh we go well plus there's also the benefit of you know people like a, a good scary story so um okay. the haunting may, might scare some people away but it also might 
do a lot of great promotion. Yeah, I mean, right, who, wants to, for who wants to go? No, no one's going to travel to go just go see a Motel 6. If they happen to be in town, maybe they'll go there. But people will travel to see something that has a great reputation of being haunted. Mm-hmm. Like the Stanley. So, so, so let's set the scene here. Your, uh, your first customer comes in, goes into their first room. What do you, uh, what do, you do? to this person when they're going into the room to start making them experience some hauntings what are you going to do like i can give you some examples if you'd like oh no i i my i, I my mouth isn't keeping up with all the examples going through my <laughs> mind I mean, well you know i'm a production professional right so mm-hmm. my my uh specialty is audio so so my first inclination would be to have audio set up in surround so that you could make creepy noises and or even vibrations like with with proper subwoofers you could basically have people feel before they even hear the sound like say you had some subwoofers outside their wall and you hit them with some really deep notes and they don't even realize that it's sound they're just kind of like you know how when a train comes and it just kind of rumbles and you feel it Mm, shakes Um, yeah that there's there could be a combination of of sound that uh creeps people out or just makes them feel unsettled like what is you know is that an earthquake because you know especially if you're in california and you've you've been through a lot of earthquakes you like when you start feeling that there's a sense of dread like you know is this building about to collapse but of course you could have other um interesting sounds that would uh create other uh other types of fear other uh sensations of of being frightened but so so that would be my my go-to would be audio but being a production uh professional certainly there's uh visuals too like you could play with the lighting or uh projections or um other interesting aspects of things like uh mirrors or or something where you could project things but but my my first go-to would be audio because if you hear something scary especially in the dark like if you're if you're asleep and you're awakened by something like just say a blood curdling scream or something even more subtle like you know something that sounds like yeah yeah have you done this before (laughs) this is really well thought out (laughs) well i saw it in a brady bunch episode right was wasn't there a brady bunch episode where they have like a you know ghost in the backyard and it's all done through smoke and mirrors basically which you know, I, I I definitely could do a higher um, quality with with today's technology. We could do like incredible quality uh, audio recording with uh, and and video projections and whatnot to to really uh, really scare people. Well, I think you know what though uh, that I really I, I we love your answer because sound is actually very important for any horror movie in general. Um, we talked about this even when we uh, talked about Wait, the video game. Wow, we talked about sound about in horror like when we first started this like a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, <laughs> and uh, so so kind of a kind of a cool fun fact about it. So like uh, when we talked about the video game Dead Space, we mentioned that when we, when they made that game and they developed it, um, they focused a lot on the sound within the game and not just like music, but like noises that uh, the aliens would make crawling through you know air ducts or um, how a room would be just dead quiet and you would hear little skitterings and just you know these very basic things that seem simple, but it was like the genius that they went through to pull off the sound because it's the sound of the game that gets you more than the actual visuals itself. The visuals just mm. help sell it the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah. there's also a, a, couple, a couple horror movies that they have a they do a certain type of audio like it's you can't hear it like you you won't you can't process that you're hearing it but it's a really low tone that like <clears throat> supposed to bring dread like the feeling of dread out in people and stuff like that mm-hmm. and certain horror movies use that type of audio like that plan they play it out throughout the entire movie so like the audience like just feels like Ugh, it's just god no <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times it's because in a horror movie, some some individuals can't always process what they're seeing. Mm -hmm. And so the sound is what's relied on to evoke the emotion, you know? I mean, obviously it's shocking. Like if you see a scene of like somebody get their head cut off, you know, in a horror movie, like you know that's shocking. But to some certain individuals, that can be so shocking that even processing processing that in a fictional manner could take a moment to understand the severity of it. So then, when you bring in that music of you know that crescendo, that, uh, I'm having a hard time pronouncing crescendo. words. Excuse me. Thank you, sir. Yeah, <laughs> um, but invokes that emotion, that surprise. You know, you need to be scared of this. This is something to be scared of because it surprised you. And so there's there's a real genius behind it. And I uh, and I'm just glad that you just went you stuck with your strengths, Danny. And you're just like, sure. Now we're gonna we're gonna cause earthquakes with rock and roll. Yeah, <laughs> but I would use Jaws as a good example of that. Like mm-hmm. if you just waited until the shark actually bit someone and you saw blood, there wouldn't be nearly as much anxiety and fear mm-hmm. as when that dun, 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 dun starts, you know what's about to happen. And it's basically a way of, if you just get surprised, it, it's not nearly as scary as you're like, okay, this is about to happen. This terrible thing is about to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. You know, and that's what the music is doing. It's like, dun, 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 dun. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and also I would, I would bring up too that you can't always control like in an environment like a hotel. I mean, with the film, people are sitting there waiting to receive visual information. But if you're in a room, it's very hard to uh, control what people see. Where are they looking? Where's their attention? Or, or is, even is there any light in the room? Maybe what you're trying to do will be just there could be distractions that make it so that what you're trying to do gets ruined. But the sound, even in the dark, the sound works. And, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and, since it's already been recorded, you have control of how of the quality of it. So that that's the direction I would go. Like, unless there's some kind of loud thing going on that's making it so the sound can't work. Like, if someone has the TV up really loud, maybe um, the thing I was talking about, like with the subwoofer shaking, would would work kind of regardless of what's going on. And and I think, yeah, yeah, that's definitely the that's definitely the route I would go. Would you cool. plug? Uh, would you plug your latest single for your ten foot pole? Why you scare him at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't this know. This brought to you by. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know whether. It, uh, yeah, you, you kind of like scare people, and then you give them some comfort food, or you know, you kind of sell them. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know what you really need are these gentle acoustic songs and and a long drive out of this state. I mean, it is true that I tried to make the acoustic record work where you could listen to the whole album all the way through. Like I tried to keep it tight so it would be a good driving record because I feel like on a long drive, you want to just feel like you can listen to song after song. So I guess if people were scared and wanted to leave a hotel, they'd be likely to want to go on a long drive. <laughs> they might <laughs> need some audio material. <laughs> Don't be a dick. This always calms me down. <laughs> yeah. I really well, I'm in my head. So I think it is. I think it is comforting too to actually hear someone's voice that you recognize. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Like if you're just in silence alone with your thoughts, it's not nearly as comforting as if you heard kind of classic music that you were familiar with. So if 
if someone was already a fan of our band, I, I would recommend that. Kind of feel that human connection. You know you, what you could also do is you could try to make the effects make it look like, you, like you're a ghost of yourself and be like, yeah, they say Denny died in that very motel room. <laughs> they say if you listen closely, you could still hear him and his band playing to this day. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, yeah, you definitely need to have some creepy backstories so that people are, are already thinking those kind of thoughts when they're there. I've mm-hmm. I've stayed in a few places that were rumored to be haunted and 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 um I think a lot of it has to do with the backstory. Um cool. for example there there's a a place that was turned into a hotel in Buffalo that was a uh, um Buffalo uh, New York that was a mental health facility and you know it's not your imagination that a lot of people had mental suffering in there like people were in there and just you know, whether the suffering was just on their own or the suffering was at the hands of um, villainous, um, uh, uh, quote, you know, providers of care, <laughs> you know, like like they had gnarly stuff, like bodies buried on the site and stuff. And so when you know, like right. I'm in a room that was, you know, where people were wailing in misery, really, like no joke, you have to kind of wonder, you know, was is there some spiritual residue or something that's still oh, still yeah. there? I would say you yes. Might, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I Even though know. the place had I, been remodeled into a nice hotel, it's still like you look up and go like, okay, these are whatever 14-foot ceilings. And like there's a reason why this building looks like that. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you could also walk around to other parts of the building that weren't restored and then mm-hmm. and just go like, wow, like people were – People were really unhappy here. Yeah. Speaking of people being unhappy in a place, Cody, I don't, I don't know if we have time. We do. Do we want to try to add in what we do, or do we want to say that for another episode? We should probably say that for another episode. We, we should probably because we probably have a huge chance. <laughs> but uh, uh, Denny, you, you had probably you had the best answer because yours was the most technically inclined. We liked that. I liked I it. Literally turn yeah, your I, hotel into a haunted hotel like attraction. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, bravo to you! You're 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 a mad genius in the making. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I think it's a decision whether or not you want to kind of contribute to the world or uh, or contribute to people's happiness or contribute to their pain and suffering. And that like that mad genius thing could could go either way depending on whether people. I mean, that's one reason I wrote "Don't Be a Dick." It's it's because it's somewhat self-serving. Like like if I have an option, be a dick or don't be a dick. Almost always, the don't be a dick is going to work out better for me mm-hmm. in the short run. But in the long run, for all of us, it's like if you're a dick to people, like eventually they reach a point where they're just like going to get revenge one way or another. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and true. I don't want to be at the hotel where like some guy is that was bullied all his life is finally like okay, that's it. Now we're gonna. Now I'm gonna get revenge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take it out on this hotel. Fuck yeah. it, scare me. <laughs> we, we, we do need to move on, but I now I like the idea of you having the nice haunted hotel and not the evil, scary haunted hotel. <laughs> like they yeah. go, they go to your Let's rooms. Go. And you still like, the... you need a new towel. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, that's like the sixth sense, right? The sixth sense where they turned around the horror thing into like. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna use this ghost to be my shrink, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that pretty much what it was? Was like, yeah, I'm really suffering. Yeah, I'm really suffering with my psych- psychological issues, but 
but maybe I can get past my suffering if I work with somebody who can um, counsel me. And and since the only people I can really talk to are very well are dead people, I'll, I'll pick a, a dead shrink to yeah. give me advice. <laughs> yeah. Right? Hey, Pretty much. Hey, dead guy, what, can you tell me tell, tell me about that time you had a soundboard thrown into your head? What, how'd that go again? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, that's right. I forgot about the Bruce Willis connection. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I should have said that in a public thing, though. Like He might come back and get me. <laughs> he's actually super nice. I I worked with him on a different thing where he was he was in a commercial or something, and he was super nice to the crew. Oh, that's what, good. Yeah, good. <laughs> it's, it's always it's good a, to hear. It's always I, good I, to hear nice stories. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think he's gonna he's gonna come back at you on that. If if so, you can blame us. <laughs> yeah. Blame Hans Gruber. Blame Hans. There you go. It was it's all Hans all along. Always Hans Gruber's fault. We should have known known better. (laughs) But I will say what is not Hans Gruber's fault is the terribleness of our topic that we're going to talk about today. (laughs) So getting into it, the real stuff. That's right. So uh, just going to hop into our topic. A little chill and creeping up my spine there a little bit. (laughs) It's it's intense, man. Like some of the stuff that happened at this place is actually, it's it's unsettling. And so what we're talking about today is a very famous place in L.A. Actually, (laughs) um, and it's, uh, it's in L.A., California, the Cecil Hotel. So for those who don't know about the Cecil Hotel, is a pretty popular, uh, famous hotel in L.A. It is uh, really known for like the some terrible things happening there, and uh, it's considered one of the most haunted places uh, in America. And so uh, today, I was just wanted to give you guys some backstory about the hotel, and then uh, talk about some of those terrible things that happened in there. <laughs> And seem like they keep happening. Like like some like yeah. a lot of stuff like the Black Dahlia stuff is from mm-hmm. long ago, but there's recent stuff that's happened. So it's yep. it's yeah, not like something that's like, oh, five hundred years ago, no. blah 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 blah. It's like super mm-hmm. recent. Sorry, I'll let you carry on. Oh no, no, no. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was agreeing with you. It's it's oh, I was interrupting you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, there's a lot of people actually uh, know the CSO Hotel for a case that happened in 2013, and uh, we will get to that case. Um, that for that's one of the most recent ones that I know of. Um, so uh, some backstory: the CISO Hotel was built in 1924 by William Banks Hanner, spending and it, he spent around like a million dollars to build this hotel. Um, and so and that's a lot back then, <laughs> and so that'd be a lot right now. Um, the hotel is a it so its layout is a 700 room bow art style hotel is complete with a marble lobby, stained glass windows, palm trees, and an opulent staircase. Um, it was originally built to be a high-end destination for like international travelers and like the elite, the top high, uh, high class of America and stuff like that. So, you know, that's kind of like what was the intention. And so obviously that didn't happen because in, once it opened in 1927, a big event happens two years later uh, is the uh, U.S. plunged into the Great Depression in 1929. And because and also because of that, it 
what consider it was a place that was originally considered for the high end it is now a place for the death the mysterious and the macabre um and the area around the cecil actually became skid row that's what uh the area became known as skid row and it be was full of homeless uh homeless people junkies and a lot of other sketchy characters and the cecil hotel didn't start having its like craziness start happening until the 1930s and that's when like all kinds of deaths started happening um so sit there at uh blah sorry kind of got tongue-tied there for a second <laughs> um so we uh start off we're going to talk about two of uh two famous deaths that happened uh in the in the late 40s um there is one of uh it was the suicide of army sergeant lewis d borden who he slashed his own throat with a razor and less than four years later marine corps member roy thompson jumped from the roof and landed on a skylight of the building next door and so uh there's actually a lot of talk about how the cecil hotel is evil because a lot of people come here to you know end their lives in these very violent fashions it's never like just a lot of pills it's always very violently and so there's like this kind of like theory that the cecil hotel was like built on a place that is just like pure evil and it just like always brings all this evil in because people end up doing some terrible things um and one big thing that happened in uh one of those events that ha it happened in 1944 a 19 year old girl named dorothy jean purcell awoke in the middle of the night due to severe stomach pains she went to the bathroom and unexpectedly gave birth to a baby boy not knowing she was even pregnant to begin with and in believing the baby was still born uh was a stillborn uh, she thought it uh, it was a stillborn. Uh, she threw it out the window instead of and never brought up about it. Um, she didn't even let her boyfriend know at the time. But later, she uh, once the baby uh, the dead body the dead baby was found and it was some it was linked to her. She was tried, but she was found innocent due to insanity and is and was admitted for psychiatric help. <laughs> I think yeah. that one, that story too, is probably one of the most um, notorious of of the hotel itself. Because that that's that's probably the first one I heard about was the was the tragedy with that happened with the child. I mean, I uh, like that and, and that seems to be the prevalent theme throughout. Though is is what is like the mysterious motivation that that's causing people to act in this way you know that i mean uh, act in such extreme morbid manners i mean it's it was the place built on something cursed i mean one has to wonder so i think especially during this time it's because of uh the great depression and then the area that it is like dealing with all uh, you know a bunch of homeless people who probably need help who are like need psychiatric help and stuff like that who aren't getting the help that they need and then just you know, the area being super sketchy with drugs and whatnot like i think it's a lot of it's just people like that's just where it was and the and the cecil was cheap too like rates for the room were stupid cheap like so, what, what would just, they be? Uh, in, what do you think they would be in today's uh, climate? I guess just to give it an uh, an idea. Like you're an expert on cheap. all this, I know you are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> it would be cheaper than a Motel Six. Consider so, so pr 
So pretty cheap. I can't so, remember. Yeah. <laughs> so probably less than 20 bucks a night. Pro- yeah, more than likely. Like, sorry, I was like trying to think. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's, it's not like I expect you to do that much yes, math. Can you calculate like... uh, r- <laughs> with inflation how many? You know, <laughs> in today's <laughs> dollars, tra- transfer from Canadian to U.S. dollars and account for inflation. And in euros. <laughs> yes. Look, I just like did a little research. I didn't know how to do math. I was reading. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't mean, like test You didn't anticipate levels. this question. What? <laughs> uh, of all, so, I like how of all the things I'm like, hey, how much did a room cost? Like, yeah. <laughs> I just I'll realized think. that too. <laughs> I think that is that is a fair point that um, mm-hmm. you know in in Skid Row that that it is people who are just kind of barely hanging by a thread and if mm-hmm. if it's cheap to to have a room to get out of the the elements you know um, it it is interesting how how many rooms did you say seven hundred rooms seven hundred that's a lot I mean yeah yeah so I mean you would expect that out of seven hundred rooms a night I mean I'm not saying that it'd be full all the time but Mm-hmm. You know, even if one percent of the people were really, you know, struggling, that's seven people every day. Yeah, if it was, you know, if it was full. Yeah. So, it, I think it's not that unusual to have like, you know, some some bizarre stories considering mm-hmm. the scope of it. Seven oh. seven hundred people of like super struggling people, suffering people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're gonna get some. There's gonna be some craziness, and like the and the other thing too is, it's like I feel like that's also what uh, puts into the hauntings and the haunting stories. So the the also like the significance of the baby story is that uh, there's a lot of haunt uh, paranormal stories that are coming from it, and so a lot there because there's a lot of uh, incidences of especially women jumping out the windows and com- committing suicide that's a lot of like the deaths that have to deal with the uh the hotel cecil is suicides and they and some of the paranormal incidences of people thinking it like they hear babies crying like they'll hear a little bo- baby crying and uh there's a story of these two kids they took a picture um, of the Cecil, like of out of a seven-story window, they just like looked up and took a picture of it because they could have sworn they saw something, and they believe they saw like a baby just hanging out there. So they think uh, so. Like some theories are that uh, some of these people are seeing a baby like just outside of arm's reach and cry and crying outside, and they're like reaching to save it, and they're accidentally killing themselves. Like that's some of the spins that they're putting on some of these. And so I would think, like, to me, I feel like it's a it's drug addicts and stuff because that's their main people going in and staying at the Cecil. It's like drug addicts coming down from their highs, going insane and thinking they hear things because they're all par- paranoid and whatnot. And they know about the story of the baby who got chucked out the window. So they're, like, looking out the window thinking they hear a baby. Like, that's, like, some of my, like, what I think kind of. Um, but moving on to uh, this... <laughs> So, okay, sorry, I I just, I laughed at this one a little bit just because it was just, it's so sad. It's one of those, like, I kind of chuckled and I apologize, but it's, it's such a sad story. So, there's this 65-year-old man, his name was George Giannini, and he was just walking by the Cecil. 
you know, this guy just had not a care in the world. He was just having going about his day, and he was just having, you know, may, hopefully he was just having an okay day, and he was like maybe taking a quick shortcut to get home. Like I hope this guy was just having, like hopefully an, a decent day for once because you know he's walking by the Cecil, and this woman. Pauline Otto, she decided to jump out of her ninth floor room window after arguing with her husband and by freak coincidence landed right on top of George and they just exploded on the ground. And yeah, it's so (laughs) at first the police thought that it was actually a double suicide because of the everything that happened. But the fact that George still had his shoes on, they just they figured out that it wasn't a suicide and that it was an accidental murder from the woman committing suicide because he still You're had shoes on. You're laughing about this way too much. I know, it's because it's like, it's so it's just to me, I'm like, I could, it's something that why I would need never a psych see. eval here. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's, just, I, it's just like something I would imagine out of an Austin Powers movie or some shit. And it actually happened. And like, I'm just imagining this, like this, you know, this forensic analysis person who's seen all these terrible things and have dealt with all this death. And is just so like, you know, like stone to it. Just like, nah, look, his shoes are still on. Like, obviously it's not what you guys think like i don't know why like i just uh it's what i get like okay this is her liver this is his liver (laughs) this is her hip bone this is it because it's just like a scramble at that point and it's like but look his shoes are still on what does that tell us yeah it's just like because if you fall from 11 stories i guess your shoes would come off they do actually like they did the math like there's it's actually scientifically proven that from that height your shoes would have actually fallen off by the time you hit the ground. What if you wore boots and they were like, like falling real tight? <laughs> I don't know. Because I usually wear work boots. Well, not usually, but I often wear work boots. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Yeah, that's that's what they decided. I guess the type of shoes he had, they were like, nah, they would have fallen off. <laughs> yeah. Detected. And so, detected. <laughs> and so um. So those, uh, those were a couple of the crazy things. And then obviously the Black Dahlia mur- uh, murder happened outside of the uh, came coming from the Cecil where the the late the gal who uh, was murdered, she stayed at the Cecil Hotel just before her murder happened. And then not just that, there's a couple of other uh, serial killers that are actually also linked to the Cecil Hotel. They're both alumni of the show. Um, and so Richard Ramirez actually stayed a good, a good chunk of time here at the CISO hotel, uh, during his spree. And there's actually one incident in particular where like, it just, because of how scummy the CISO hotel was and still kind of is like no one batted an eye. But so after one of Richard's, uh, murders, he actually went behind the hotel, to declothed, took all of his clothes off, just threw it in the dumpster behind it, and walked through the fucking lobby, just in his in his underwear and covered in blood, and no one did it or said anything. Like they're just like, yeah, I mean, that's the normal. But I think <laughs> that's normal. I think you were, 
I think the reason, not that it's any justification, but I think what why that happened and why people didn't bat an eye is because of what you already said, man. Was like that hotel. Not only did it just like survive through some of the like the most depressing times, but just bad things happened there. And you know, with how cheap it is, I could just see it being a place where it's like you minded your own business and didn't get involved in anybody else's business, regardless of what it looked like. You know, it, it was a sketchy neighborhood. Keep to yourself, and you'll be fine. I feel like it, maybe that was kind of like the environment that was cultivated around. The hotel at that time and that's i mean i'm not again it's not an excuse well yeah it, how much how much courage would you have to have to approach a guy who's in his underwear and full of blood i mean <laughs> yeah. you know i mean unless you were a detective being paid to figure out what he did like do you want to get involved in that guy's life yeah like, yeah i mean i, I, I no nope. no nope. that's kind of a like <laughs> you know for me yeah <laughs> just might want to just that run the mean. other direction yeah. I don't even live here. No. <laughs> yeah, that I don't I don't even know what I'm doing here. It's just I'm I'm leaving now. I would feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I want my money back. <laughs> Please oh. give me my three cents. <laughs> <laughs> um and then uh fast forward a cup uh fast forward a little bit and then in 1991 um Mr. Jack Johann Jack Unterberger is actually um, uh, stayed here for a while. And so just a little recap for those. Uh, Jack Unterberger was a notorious serial ki- Austrian serial killer. And he ended up getting released after his first murder uh, in Austria and then flew, uh, came to the States and stayed at the CISO Hotel under the, dis- under the sky, like, and stayed here, like, under a guise of saying that he's a cr- true crime writer. And that he was here uh, staying there, especially because he did not look like a, C- a normal CISO hotel uh, stay uh, stay in, transient and stuff. Uh, he was all like well-kempt and stuff. And he told everybody that he was a true crime writer, that he's staying in L.A. to uh, uh, work with the cops about all these string of murders that are happening. There's a possible serial killer who ended up being Jack Unterberger. <laughs> and, um, so he actually stayed at the hotel, and it's kind of theorized that he stayed there because Richard Ramirez stayed there previously, and he kind of like looked like kind of looked up to Richard Ramirez as an inspiration uh, for his killings and everything, too. Um, but yeah, and so then we fast forward to probably the most notorious case that's ever happened at, in the CISO Hotel, um, especially mo- the most modern case that's happened, and that's in 2013, and that's the uh, death and disappearance of. Um, oh my God! I she her name got deleted. I am so sorry. Uh, Lamb <laughs> is her last name. Yeah, uh, Lamb. Le- uh, Lisa, Lisa Lamb. Lisa Le- Lamb. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Anytime. Thank you, sir. Glad I could be helpful for something. Yes. Like so, I, I had it. I was like the girl, and I was like I had it written, and it got deleted. So yeah, uh, the case of uh, Lisa Lamb. So um, there's a lot of controversy around her around her death and everything. But just uh, just to go over it real fast, uh, sort of is that so in 20, uh, 2013, Lisa Lamb. She is a foreign exchange student. She was vi- uh, she's from Canada, and she was visiting. Um, LA for uh, she was doing like this giant trip I think a trip across the US or something like that um, Wait, can, I, can I alter the, the yes. order you tell this in yes sir the reason that they knew about it was because people started complaining that the water there tasted funny yeah yeah so, <laughs> so let's how... just start let's start with that fact because so. that's the most gruesome part about it mm-hmm. to me but 
Yeah. So anyway, people were complaining that the water tasted funny, and there, guess what yeah. they found in the in the water yeah. tank? Yeah, it wasn't just that. Actually, they would also say that black uh, black goo was coming out of the faucet first, or out of their shower yeah. heads first, and mm. then water was coming out. And it would come out yellow, and then they said their water was tasting funny. And it took. And so this is the Cecil Hotel. Like one complaint wouldn't bat they wouldn't bat an eye at, but more and more res uh, stay and started saying it. And so they go up to the top of the tower and they look in the water tower and they find Lisa Land's body floating with all of her, uh, bare butt naked. She's floating up naked, face up, looking at the top of the tower with her clothes, her card, and her phone all in there. And they have no idea how she got there. So <laughs> for 19 days, these people have been drinking her water, her soup, oh, I guess. Man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember, remember yeah. hearing about this story too. Yeah, like, I remember you, in college hearing about. It, I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like, not that, not that anybody would want to, but could you imagine? Just you know, it's five o'clock your time, and you know the the kids are hungry, and you know you got to start making dinner. So you are you're gonna make pasta or rice or you know whatever you could afford, and you start filling up the pot, and you you know you can't really complain about the water. You get what you get, and you cook the food, and then. You serve the food, and then the next day later, you find out that the water was filtered through a uh, dead body. I mean, how do you? Uh, how do you? Uh, I feel like you... you're giving the Cecil Hotel a little too much credit with having a stove in there to cook pasta. <laughs> yeah, and also <laughs> that, that the heat would disinfect the water. The I'm, I'm more concerned about the people who are just drinking it straight up. Yeah, that too. Like you're that... making Kool-Aid for the kids, or... so you can't even taste the water yet. You're drinking, fucking filling them up with sugar body. <laughs> or if you're bathing in it, can you imagine oh, bathing yeah, in bathing? it? Yeah, bathing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Here's the other, like, the super, speaking of fucking bathing. So after they found her body, they never closed down. They didn't close down during the whole thing. Even while they were, like, doing, like, cleaning the water, fixing all that and dealing with that whole thing and her body and her water that's, you know, her yeah. water that's gone the, throughout the, the hotel. The contaminated water, yeah. They just made pe people, new people coming to stay at the hotel just sign a waiver saying that they, <laughs> and having recommendations do not drink the water when you're taking a shower, keep your head down and everything. Like, they still stay kept open. Like, oh my God. Yeah, they're like, don't shower here, but if you have to, keep your head down and don't open your mouth. You know, comparing now to then, not much sense has changed with uh, things being opened up with restrictions. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, kidding, it's, kidding, like, it's the pandemic. <laughs> We're in a pandemic. So, God. like, yeah. So, it's just, like, it was just super upsetting. <laughs> and it's super yeah. sad. And so, um... But going talk, I uh, was just talking about more about this poor gal. Like, there's a lot of theories around her death too. Like, they, it's still an unsolved, uh, kind of an unsolved thing. I mean, they, they, the hotel, the police, and everything just uh, labeled as an accidental death. Um, so there's a bunch of theories going around because there's a really famous video before her death. Uh, it's a 13 minute long video of her at the um, elevator. Um, and, sh and throughout this video, like it starts off with her, like looking out the, uh, the elevator doors and it looks like she's like watching for someone. 
Um, she pushes all like all the buttons through the middle of the elevator door, and then like at some point she like steps out of the elevator, and the elevator doors stay open like for a good minute, and like that doesn't happen. Like elevators, elevator doors close like within a couple seconds unless you're holding the open door um, button. And so, and then at some point, and then at this point, like, it looks like she's kind of being directed to stand outside of the, like, video view, like, of the camera, a view of the camera, and, like, that's the last you ever see of her. And um, she, and so, doing a little bit back on story on her as well, she also, uh, a little bit more, she also used to keep a blog and a vlog of her, about her depression, because she actually suffered from really hardcore bipolar and depression, and had to take a lot of uh, medication to help her with that. And so, like, there's one theory that she actually was having a manic episode, and during one and during this particular episode, uh, she was possibly hallucinating and stuff like that, and that she went all the way up to the top and opened it, uh, uh, opened the thing, and just like kind of fell in or something. Like, there's a lot of theories around it. There's also a big theory that she was murdered because to get into that water tank, like it's locked. Like it's supposed to be locked. There's supposed to not be any way to get in there. Same with the door, like going getting to the water tank is locked. Like there there's all these theories, like how did she even get up there to begin with? Um, and that she must have been murdered and thrown in. And like one thing that's super upsetting about the case is that they never like even when there was a theory that she was murdered and stuff, like they never really did anything like they didn't really do a murder murder look on her case like they never did a rape kit to see if she was possibly raped and dumped and the body dumped in there at that point like nothing so they just kind of said it was an accidental death and left it at that <laughs> I, would, I would also say back when she uh, uh tragically passed away uh, you know um when it came to investigations back then i mean uh it was common for a lot of law enforcement at that time to cut corners with their investigation and not look as thoroughly as what you're talking about in in certain cases just because of the amount of crime in areas like that yeah. i mean so what's you know, so it's sad so is just that that's that's uh eight years ago that's only eight years ago so like say like way back then it's like that's eight years ago yeah, i made it sound like it was Sorry. like last century uh, yeah no, yeah i just think way back then because it's almost 10 years and i'm just like i, I always think <laughs> yeah. way back past the 10 year point so that's just i'm weird like that i do apologize but <laughs> no, still like it's funny just because it's like man 2013 starting to look like a long time ago now. <laughs> like so much yeah, is that, that was just that's poor terminology on my part. Um, but still, though, at, at the time, you know, I mean, whether it is a bad area or it's not a bad area, you know, uh, you still got to question why they didn't put in the effort, why they didn't follow through with these certain investigations. Was it a budgeting thing? Was there more to it than that? Or was it just that this hotel has a rep for just being a bad hotel and that's what we chalk it up to be? You know, I mean, it, we can't assume, obviously because you know we don't know what happens behind you know closed doors and red tape and all that but it still makes you wonder you know why yeah and so i make those assumptions just because usually in cases like this where they become cold cases it's due to uh it, it happens to be lack of error on on the investigation side of it all whether there is you know a piece of the information that is missing or somebody didn't do didn't look at something the right way you know mm -hmm. i, I it's I'm, I'm trying not to like generalize it, but at the same time, I'm also trying to like be specific, but not like waste too much time on it. If you feel me, 
But yeah, yeah I, I th- that's just kind of where my head's at. Uh, Denny, what about you? Where do you, where are you lying with this? Do you uh, have any theories? I I think um, it's tricky that uh, I mean, from what I read, it seemed like it was it was just pretty much a, a clear case of her having mental issues and and uh, doing it. Or essentially doing it herself, but I, I don't know, you know, I mean, I, who knows what, what really goes on. I think we're all like kind of wired to look for patterns and to look for something kind of sinister or creepy or whatever. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, we don't know, I, I can't, I'm, I can't look at it and, and have any kind of real opinion about whether they should have investigated more, or what, what led him to do that. I mean, I guess yeah. I, I read some stuff that was kind of critical about, I mean, the, the, there was a whole series and it was kind of a, I guess it was a four episode series about it where they kept kind of like leading the audience down these different pathways of what could have happened. But then clearly each of them was kind of debunked. And, and at the mm-hmm. end, even the people who made the series were kind of like basically admitting that they were exploiting the situation to try to entertain people. And, and, um, you know, kind of like you said, like, how would you create a haunting thing well, mm-hmm. the way that these people created an interesting and, and watched series was by pretending like these paths were a reality and, and then feeding people information that sounded exciting and then yeah. and then debunking it. And it's kind of like, you know, basically milking a story that they could have told in one episode into four different episodes, which was, uh, you know, it's it's entertainment and it, and uh so it's mm-hmm. it's kind of tricky ethically. It's yeah. kind of a, a tough thing, like you know, to take somebody's tragic demise and um and milk it into all that stuff. So I I hesitate to, you know, venture <clears throat> any opinions about what um, police could have done or you know detectives or whatnot. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's that unusual that people could get up on a roof of a a crappy hotel. Often doesn't have very good security. You know whether yeah. the water tank had a lock on it or not. I mean. We're talking L.A., so people mm-hmm. would want to go on the roof and smoke. So I to say mm-hmm. that people couldn't go on the roof, I would r- highly doubt that. Because so, well, I'll just say for my own experience. So I stay in a lot of hotels, and I often look for places where I can sing and play guitar without bothering anyone. So I frequently go into stairways that aren't well used because I'm I'm trying to find a place where I can sing and and nobody hears me, mm-hmm. and um, it's not that unusual to to walk to a different area that has like, you know, a maintenance room or, or a rooftop or something where people hardly ever go. Cause also workers often like, or, or people look for places to smoke or whatever. And that that's common. And that's at, at nice hotels. If you can mm-hmm. imagine you're in a, a skid row hotel and there's people looking for places to do drugs or, I mean, who knows? Like, um, you know, I, I don't find it at all unusual that play that, that at a cheap hotel places would be unlocked or that people could have access to areas that should have been better guarded. So, yeah. And I, and you know, I whether think, she yeah. could do it herself yeah. or not, or, or whether somebody threw her in there or, you know, or, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that there couldn't be ghosts or whatever. I mean, maybe people who have uh, <laughs> that, that kind of medication or that kind of brain situation are more attuned to spirits or whatever. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't discount yeah. it and say it couldn't happen, but you know, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't make an assumption either way on it. Mm-hmm. And and you know what? I, what I think you you brought into this that's a really good point. Um, 
it, which first is 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 the most obvious, you know. First off, that there was a show that came out recently that's been get, that's been under some pretty heavy scrutiny um, with its ethics of 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 how it did its its uh, coverage of the Cecil Hotel. I w- just real quick wanted to preface on that, you know, when when we do start laughing at these situations, it's not out of pure enjoyment that you know they occurred. It's because you know when Cody he's doing his research, his natural reaction when he gets nervous is to laugh. That's just what he does. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the same exact way. Um, so please, listeners, do know that we're not trying to you know be inappropriate, and so we do apologize if it comes off that way. It's not our intent. It's a, but but it's the a other thing, giggle. <laughs> it's yeah, an anxious yeah. giggle. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's a common thing Danny. too. Like when mm-hmm. people are uncomfortable, laughter is a is a one of those reactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and <laughs> some people would say that even laughing within despair is still a sign of courage and strength. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, but coming back to it though, the other thing you brought into this, Danny, is that what you just said. You know, when you're when you're traveling, you know, you'll try to find a place where you can play without disturbing people, and it's not that hard. So if we take the Cecil for example, I I mean I agree. You know, it, it's it's not hard to get access to a roof. It's not hard to get access to a stairwell, especially you know if. Whether it's, you know, something, you know, like a, a, I'm trying to think of a good example, like somebody leaving a door open or just you needing to like say, hey, can I go out and have a cigarette or whatever? And they let you through, you know, there's always ways to get to where you need to go to without raising suspicion. Right. But I think at the same time, too, which what's just so what we need to keep in mind is that is that maybe there is no reason for what she did. You know, when it comes to mental health, it's it's sometimes we try to find a source. We try to find something sinister because we need something to explain the bad. You know, we need something to blame. And I think that's just a natural human reaction when something that we can't explain does occur. You know, what fault could it be? Whose fault could it be? And I think and I think maybe that could be the case. Maybe there wasn't something supernatural to it. Maybe it was just something. It was just something that was going on with her that none of us can understand. And I think and I think that's the mistake mysticism that just adds to the mysticism around the Cecil Hotel and I think that needs to be far more taken into mind when when other shows or other shows that are more like true crime inclined do take on this topic mm-hmm. yeah yeah but and just to wrap up a little bit on this topic and also on the Cecil um so I just like my kind of whole theory about it is I think she was just having a manic episode. And like you said about finding like a quiet spot, she was, I think, I can't remember. She was doing something in either the arts, like that's what she was going to college for is either the arts or like it was or writing or something like that. And mm-hmm. so it was also the time, uh, that's why someone, uh, that the theory of the, she was having a manic episode is when you have, uh, especially people with, you know, mental, or that, the things that she deals with, uh, when they have a manic episode, you get really inspired and you need to do something right then and there. You got to just got to do it. And like, that's why, like, that's why they think she had an episode. Like, that's what happened. She had to go to the roof because there was just like, it's LA. Like even in Skid Row, at, on top of the roof, when the sun's setting over the ocean and whatnot, like it's going to be beautiful. And so, like that's the theory is that she went up there, and the reason it was an accident, she fell in. And so then they're like, well, why was her clothes? You know, why was she naked and stuff like that? Well, clothes make you heavy. 
so it, she probably came out of her manic episode like sometimes you can come out of a, an episode really quick and kind of get like you're then you're loo- uh, lucid you know you have your wits about you so like the theory is there's a, like she could have taken her clothes off while she was in there to make herself more buoyant so she could float and everything and it just she ended up slowly you know passing because of she couldn't get out mm-hmm. so like that's another thing of like you know that's a scientific explanation of why she was naked in there instead of saying well she was naked she obviously was attacked so like you know that's another thing that could have happened and also her family like stayed out like after everything was wrapped up and stuff like they they didn't want to pursue it any further they never felt like it was anything more than she probably she could have had an episode and there were also talks on her blogs of her she went into very good detail about her depression and her episodes and how they feel and whatnot and while she never had any suicidal tendencies when she also brought up how you know when you would have your moments like you can't you can't really control yourself sometimes and that's how she felt so there's also that and like and i like the and i do agree with going to the fact of like you know let her let it be there's no need to like latch on and find more you know uh darker reasons for what happened than what happened like i I think it kind of all explained it on itself in my opinion like her story explains what happened even though there was the moment in the elevator because again like in when you're having an episode when she was in the elevator especially going by 2013, the Cecil Hotel was already known for being haunted and having sketchy things and being in Skid Row where there's sketchy people. Like going in there and having a manic episode with already with previous knowledge of all that, she could have been hallucinating herself in her episode. Like, oh my God, there's a ghost over there. And like just could have like believed it herself because she maybe missed taking out her medication, you know? But. Moving on from that, that was just kind of my thing. Like, I think she, like, I agree with Denny. I think he, she had an episode and accidentally, like, you know, fell in and stuff. Um, or went swimming. I mean, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's like, When you say she accidentally, are. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, who, who yeah. knows? Like, maybe she had seen altered states and thought it'd be really cool to just <laughs> lay here and float in the water. I mean, I, I haven't seen it, no, so I don't know what it's true. really like. Not the movie Altered States, but the actual tank, mm-hmm. you know. I, maybe it was yeah. inviting. Maybe it was a hot day and she wanted oh, to cool yeah, off. And The latch could have already know. been opened. I was mean, there ever, I'll just say... Um, oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry. I was just going to ask you, Cody, when you did your research, did you find out if there was ever like a toxicology report or anything like that? Uh, yeah, and uh, I, can't, I can't remember. Yeah, I believe there was, and I think she had her... Uh, I think she, I can't remember. I'm sorry. I, it's okay. I, I can look it up. Uh, but yeah, I interrupted uh, you, my Denny. What were you going <laughs> to say? Oh, I well, I was gonna say like, I've done stupid stuff at a hotel just being drunk. Like, mm-hmm. um, like, like one time in Canada, I remember I, I stepped through a door and it was like an emergency exit onto a roof, and I was only in my boxers, and it was snowing outside, and I was drunk, and I it was in Canada, so I wasn't worried about you know like crime factors or anything. Um, I, I literally, I was, I was like feeling a manic, I guess I would say I was, I was drunk and I, I basically jumped from the roof onto the top of a U-Haul, uh, you know, that was down below. And then from there onto the top of the roof of the cab, you know, like, like I jumped onto the back of the U-Haul that wasn't too far of a jump from the roof from there onto the cab, from there onto the hood, climbed down and walked in through the front door of the hotel in my boxers you know, and they're just like, oh, who is this crazy American guy? He's got, you know, <laughs> out in the snow and stuff. 
and you know, I mean, I yeah, I, I didn't step through that. I don't. I must, you know, basically once I went through that door, I was locked out onto the roof. And mm-hmm. you know, rather than call for help or whatever I could have done, I was just drunk. I was just like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna." Oh, look at that! I can just climb right there. No problem. It's snow. It won't <laughs> hurt me to jump on that. You know, luckily I didn't dent the the uh, hood or the, or the roof of the the cab too much. But I'm just using that as an example yeah. of like. If if someone's like already on the edge or whatever, and they're like, "Oh look, there's this little tank. I could go swimming in there or whatever." Like, mm-hmm. who knows how that started? But um, mm-hmm. I, having done stuff like that myself, like I I, I can see know, it. <laughs> I, I think that a lot of too. I, I, yeah, <laughs> and a lot of weird shit happens. It's accidental, and we know that because now there's a lot more cameras around. Like people mm-hmm. catch weird accidental stuff, like on the. Mm-hmm. On the uh, the doorbell things, the um, uh, what's it called? Uh, the the uh, the, the doorbell app, the Ring. Yeah, yeah. Ring, it's uh, funny that yeah. I forgot that with the movie called The Ring. You'd think that'd be uh, <laughs> pretty clear on a horror show, but but yeah, like like people people do all kinds of weird, random, accidental things that happen. That if you didn't see it on video, you'd be like, "There's no way that guy could have like fell and hit his head or whatever." But well, we got a video of it. That's right. what happened, you know. Uh-huh. Somebody did something stupid, or you know. Yeah, like, and then uh, yeah. Sorry, I was gonna so, say like I don't know if you saw the video of this girl. She's like filling her tank at a pump, like at a pump, gas pump, and no, this random know. tire like just comes out of the street and does a whole circle and just slams in the front of her car and takes off her bumper. The tire came out of nowhere, and it's like, how would you explain that? Like yeah. to your insurance company, like. Yeah, a tire just rolled out of nowhere and hit my car. Like that's even like just the yeah. most random shit that you would never believe, but it's um, on camera now. Yeah, yeah, it. stuff so, like that happens. My, uh, my, uh, I had uh, my sister-in-law's uh, parents, or yeah, her husband's parents were motorcycle riding, and a tire flew on the highway across the highway and hit the the wife. And she had hardcore, like she just basically slumped over, and luckily it it didn't kill her, but it did serious brain damage and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And a because truck tires come off sometimes, you don't think about it, but like a truck tire flew across the highway and hit someone who was a passenger on a motorcycle. You know, you're just cruising along, and all of a sudden, thump. Oh my! You know, yeah, yeah. And, uh, so, so I, I did, so doing weird stuff can research. happen, I guess is my point. <laughs> yeah. So uh, maybe Bring a ghost real quick. flew it. So, oh, sorry, <laughs> I, I have to add this in. So I did, I did some small <laughs> research on my end. So, um, there are theories. So I'll just, I'll just read it tit for tat. Theories are pertaining to the elevator video. Um, with some arguing that she was attempting to instead hide from pursuer, perhaps somebody ultimately responsible for her death, while others said she was merely frustrated with the elevator's apparent malfunction. Um, some proponents of the theory that she was under the influence of illicit drugs are not dissuaded by their absence from the toxicology screen, suggesting that may have broken down during the period of time in her body uh, decomposed in the tank, or that she may have taken rare cocktails of such drugs that a normal screen would not detect the very low level of her perception or uh, yeah, prescription, excuse me, prescription drugs in her system and the amount of pills left in her prescription bottle suggested she was under medicated or had recently stopped taking her medication for a bipolar disorder, which might have led to a psychotic episode. This isn't proven, but this is a theory that a lot of people are proponents of. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. So, I mean, Man, it sounds like we're all kind of like talking the same somewhat some of the same they were all in the same road here but mm-hmm. i mean just i uh, my heart goes out to her and and her family i mean yeah. how how terrifying if if that theory is correct how terrifying to be in that situation and how tragic that it went out the way it did i mean still in general a a, a brilliant young person lost their life and i and i think it, it was just very tragic how it happened and uh mm-hmm. yeah i mean the Cecil, man. I mean, is this even something that should even still be talked about this day? Well, I mean, I, I mean I it's not called the Cecil anymore. What's it called now? It is now called Stay on Mo- on Main Hotel. So, so they de- so recently they decided to try and revamp the he- the Cecil Hotel. Got a new owner and everything, and they decided that they want to revamp it and try and like bring it back from the brink of. Richard Ramirez stayed here <laughs> and try and have at least some semi-decent people there now. So yeah, it's now called the Stay on Main Hotel. Well, I see you, Cecil. You can't fool me. <laughs> <laughs> we know. We know. Um, yeah, it yeah, had some I'd... rough reviews too. So mm-hmm. the the Yelp reviews are kind of mixed. So yes. Maybe they have new management, but it's basically uh, not. Um, I think the owners have a, another hotel that's kind of shady in the valley, and and it's kind of a, uh, you know, and unless it gets bought by uh, somebody who's going to change the whole vibe of the place, it seems like it's just going to keep going on and having kind of shoddy, shoddy situations, and most mm-hmm. likely, you know, more stories to add to the pile where you know in another fifty years they'll have a few more. Oh yeah, <laughs> how can you not with seven hundred rooms or whatever? If it, yeah. If it doesn't get broken you, up or whatever. Would you go? Would you go to stay for a night, Denny? I probably wouldn't just because uh because of the bad reviews I read, the where I, it seems like management kind of sucks. Like like I've stayed on the <laughs> Queen Mary and felt like, okay, that's supposed to be haunted, but you know, the management there takes care of the place. And uh same with that place in Buffalo is like I was really creeped out by staying at a place where there, like for for a fact, like there was abuse of patients, and the patients were already like in a terrible, terribly tragic situation. And you know, just to stay in that place and think about it was depressing. Although it was a beautiful hotel and was like really nicely <laughs> taken, but but it wasn't my choice to stay there. If it was me deciding where I would stay, I I wouldn't have. I was with I was with the band on tour, and the band you know the band's tour manager mm-hmm. picked the place, and it and it was cool, and it in a um. But yeah, I would have slept better if I wasn't wondering if I was, you know, <laughs> sleeping where someone was. Yeah, because I, you know, I'm just thinking like, <laughs> should I be feeling bad? Like just, just the thought of like people suffering that much, whether or not yeah. their ghosts are still there, just the thought of it, like just kind of what, you know, it's 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 not that different than walking around like, um, like at concentration camps or something like where you know like something just horrible has happened there, mm-hmm. like the amount of suffering that's tied to that land when anytime there's some kind of tragedy that, you know, for sure happened right here, mm-hmm. it, it is it, a sobering approach. Like when you think about how awful humanity can be, you know, we don't really need ghosts or devils or hell to, to present us with just horrifying memories or, or create, you know, ideas about, um, you know how how bad things can be because it stuff really happens and if you're in that exact spot it makes you think about it more whether or yeah. not there's still ghosts there or whatever <laughs> it's still just 
you know, it's not something that I like to immerse myself in for, for too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't. Yeah. I'm not staying at the Cecil. Fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't I would. drink the water for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd bring my own. I'm like, if I'm staying here, I get to bring my own water. Would you like less water? Uh, no, I'm good. I'm good. No. Thank, I brought my own. Okay. Thank you. It's complimentary. It's free. No. Um, no this is also complimentary and to myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, I don't know if I'd actually stay at night. I, I wouldn't mind, like, touring it, but I, I, I don't think I would actually want to, like, stay, you know, the night and actually, like... <laughs> post up there you know i i just uh, i i'm also a proponent of just like when so many bad things have happened on a part of land or somewhere it's best just to let it be and let it rest on its own and in time come back to it i suppose but i mean i don't know that's that's just me that's just where i've always been at is is don't disturb things that you know little knowledge of yeah (laughs) pretty much horror yeah. movies have taught me a lot about that <laughs> <laughs> oh here's this random box in this attic with these weird inscriptions uh, it's probably safe to open it just just, glo- just walk out of the attic just go away just walk <laughs> yeah, away take this box out of the attic with us no. and then open it we're gonna it's take like... the school and open it and then oh. we're gonna burn it it's like, oh, this this book is wrapped in barbed wire that looks like made out of skin. Maybe I should cut the barbed wire and open it. It tells me not to keep reading. I should keep reading. Uh, the dog <laughs> won't come in the yeah. house. It's continually shitting itself on the front porch. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, another horror-filled episode has been brought to your ears, good listeners. Denny, thank you so much for hanging out with us. I know it's been a, it was an hour and a half, so thank you for hanging out the whole time with us. We really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for the invitation. I really, I appreciate any chance to, to talk about 10 foot pole and to try to get people to come to the shows, especially the acoustic shows where we tell stories and play songs. Yeah. I loved your Bruce Willis story. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, I got lots more. We got to get in the, we got to get at the house party to discuss them. Absolutely. We'll, We'll definitely make that happen. When we can, safely, I should say. Yeah, when we'll we can. Yeah, but, of course. But uh, where can everybody go to support 10 Foot Pole and everything you're doing, Denny? Just one more time. 10footpole.com. And that, that's spelled out T-E-N. So um, I answer all the stuff, whether it's uh, email or Facebook or Instagram. or I actually just signed up for TikTok finally today. My kids were doing it, and I figured I better. Everybody's doing it, so I got to join in. But um <laughs> Just trying to trying to keep up with with uh, staying connected. I mean, the whole point of being in the band, I think, or at least part of for me, like with the social grace of being in the band, is to try to feel connected to people, and um, with songwriting and with playing shows, and especially going out and being able to talk with people. The goal is to kind of have um, r- reverse the kind of alienated feeling that that uh, most other things in life seem to push us apart from each other, and I'm kind of trying to bring people together and share common emotions and experiences that we all have. Mm-hmm. Well, we can definitely say cool. that you have definitely bonded with us. So oh, yeah. thank you. <laughs> yeah, we enjoy having you here, Denny. And, and like we said, at the beginning of the episode, it's, it's, we don't know why you choose to hang out with us and come back on the show, but we are just humbled and glad you do. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. And, and anytime, if there's anything I can do to help out or, um, if you if you hear about shows want, uh, coming through and you want to do a little show or something, 
that's kind of the the beauty of doing that sort of thing the acoustic thing is being able to have the freedom to um be creative and just you know make our own little uh, party so uh please keep in touch and, and don't hesitate to reach out to me again if you have some other uh way that i could be helpful my oh, dog's yeah. telling me it's time for dinner i think one, one of my dogs <laughs> We'll we'll let you go. We'll, we'll take care of dinner, um, listeners. Thank you again for hanging out with us. Thank you for tuning in to another show of the episode, uh, to the episode of the show, the Punk or Hard Podcast. And tripping over myself. Um, if you want to continue supporting everything we do, uh, you know where to go. You know where to like us on Facebook, Punk Rock Horror Punk Rock Horror Podcast, on our Twitter at official PRHP, or on Instagram, Punk Rock Horror Podcast hashtag PRHP Podcast. You can also find me on Twitter at Krampus Cody. And you can find me at the Undead Matt on Instagram. All those links are in the episode notes below. Please consider becoming a patron supporter. Please consider buying some of our merch that does help support the show and help support everybody that works on the show. So thank you so much, listeners, for doing that. And again, thank you, Danny, for coming on. And thank you, ghouls, gals, creeps, mutants, for letting us talk horror with you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. bye. Here's San Diego Band, Pueblo, with their three songs, Two Sides, Bicho, and special buzz.